Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, President Michael. Uh, this will be very short, but I do have two stories I wish to tell you. Um, whether you know it or not, we're fully into the drone era of life. I spent a couple of hours with my uh, new dear friend, Chris May Way, at Channel 13 last week, and we did actually get into a brief conversation about drones. Interestingly enough, last Tuesday, I want to tell Colonel Wallach and Richard, who was a no-show for our drone trip to Creech Air Force Base last week, we did go up and see a very sophisticated drone operation. The MQ-9 Reaper is a very expensive drone. And we learned a lot about what it does, its capabilities in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Syria. I have a personal story about drones. I have a dear friend who lives in Southern California in Palos Verdes Estates. We went down there three weeks ago to uh, visit him, and he invited me into his office, and he programmed his $1,000 drone to take off from their location, fly a circuit around their house, and land without touching anything once the drone got airborne. I was totally impressed. So Richard and his firm are in venturing forth into the drone business. He's going to introduce Colonel Wallach to talk about uh, the Nevada program for testing drones and Richard Jost, our dear Rotarian friend. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Ted, for that nice introduction. Um, and I'm sure our president-elect will give me a pass on being a no-show for the bus trip last week. I'm sure he has the same pesky clients that I do that always all up at the worst times with the worst silly emergencies, but that's life. And I'll talk fast because I know some of you are headed for the Wetzel Awards at Nellis at 3.30. The rest of you are heading for Toshiba Plaza to get there before the festivities start for the Golden Knights game. And Colonel Wallach brought a six-and-a-half-hour presentation on drones. So to squeeze that all in, I'll talk a little bit fast. First of all, what are drones and why are they suddenly in the news so much? And with apologies to uh, Captain Kirk, uh, the drones we're going to talk about today are not half humans that came from the Borg. Sorry. Uh, drones are known by a variety of names. The uh, people in the industry tend to refer to them as unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, or unmanned aerial systems, UAS, taking into account the ground station and the communications link, or people in the military uh, generally will refer to them as RPAs, remotely piloted aircraft, or RPS, remotely piloted systems, to make people aware that th these are not just flying terminators or other robots, they're, they're actually devices controlled by human beings or programmed by human beings. But the name drone has been around for a long time and, and pretty quickly uh, became attached to, to the drones that we're going to talk about today. And the 
U.S. military was using drones for surveillance as far back as the American Civil War. Uh, as far back as the First World War, we were using military drones for surveillance and for target practice. And since that time, we've been flying unmanned vehicles in a variety of settings. Uh, after World War One, between World War One and World War Two, it became very popular for people to fly model airplanes that were radio controlled. So the the person flying the plane was standing on the ground using a radio to control the control surfaces on that plane. But those were fixed wing aircraft, and not that easy to fly. So there, you didn't see very many of them. You didn't hear very many of them. And uh, just one basic way of categorizing aircraft, they're either fixed wing or rotary craft. Fixed wing aircraft, as the name suggests, have a fixed wing. You move that wing through the air, that creates lift, and the plane flies. Rotary craft, you take the wings and you mount them on a spindle on the top of the aircraft, and then you spin them around real fast. And that's what creates the lift. And we tend to refer to them as helicopters or such. And so there wasn't a lot of concern about uh, unmanned aerial vehicles until not that long ago when we, the military decided we've got these great big unmanned aerial vehicles that we're using for surveillance and they're really effective. Why don't we hang some missiles on them and make them weapons delivery systems? And so that the, the public became a little bit more aware and you had some people uh, expressing some concerns about the moral implications of flying robots killing people. And that kind of simmered along. And then uh, another advance occurred, and that was while we were sleeping or not paying attention, something happened, right? We took telephones and walkie-talkies, and we said, wouldn't it be a great idea to put them together? and put a radio in the telephone so that we can get telephone signals without being connected to a cord. And maybe as we're wandering around. So we did. And we had cell phones. And then somebody said, well, gosh, if we can receive a telephone signal, why not the Internet? And we did. And so now you had a device in your pocket that you could monitor the Internet, you could receive telephone signals, we all like to take pictures and share them, so somebody said, well, gosh, why don't we put a camera in the device? And we did. All the while, everything kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and so the computer that used to take up a, a big chunk of your desk was reduced to a chip, and all of a sudden, without us paying much attention, we now have a computer with a high-definition video camera, and a two-way radio, and a telephone. And we can put it in our pocket and carry it around, or we can take pictures with it and stream them to the Internet. And so what happens in Vegas doesn't necessarily stay in Vegas anymore, as we've seen. But then, here comes the big one. Somebody said, well, let's take your cell phone and put four rotors on it. We've already got a computer inside it, and let's let the thing fly itself. And now we can take pictures from all kinds of neat places and stream them to the Internet. And so we did. And the next morning, 
we woke up. And somebody said, holy smokes, how am I going to have any privacy if my nosy neighbors can fly a camera into my backyard? And we, all of a sudden, we did get concerned. And then someone more thoughtful said, well, I, I, I'm concerned about my privacy, but I'm even more concerned about the fact that I fly in commercial aircraft. And what exactly is going to happen when one of these commercial aircraft sucks in one of these little vehicles? Because now, unlike the old radio-controlled aircraft that, that you actually had to work at it to fly them, anybody, anybody in this room, even me, could go into Target or Best Buy or wherever, plunk down a couple hundred bucks, take the device home, plug it in to charge the battery for an hour, and an hour later, you're airborne. You're flying. Because the, the devices basically fly themselves. And so now everybody's concerned. And the FAA gets ordered by Congress to come up with some rules to make it safe to fly in the national airspace with these little things popping around every which way, and to put people's fears a little bit at rest that, that they're not going to lose all their privacy. So they ordered the FAA to come up with some rules for doing that, the FN to designate some test sites, because nobody really knew what the rules should look like or needed to look like. Nevada, I'm happy to say, applied and was one of the six test sites chosen, which was a great thing for about 30 seconds and until somebody in state government said, oh, wait a minute, this is a, another one of those be careful what you wish for situations. We've been selected to do all this stuff, but we operate at the speed of government, not at the speed of business and certainly not at the speed that technology is evolving. So how are we going to do this? So Nevada set up a nonprofit corporation, the Nevada Institute for Autonomous Systems, and said, now you guys will give you a knowledge fund grant to, to get you started. But you guys figure out how to do this testing. You guys figure out what the people in Washington need to know to regulate drones, small unmanned aerial aircraft, or, or for that matter, large unmanned aerial aircraft, We'll, we, we think that law enforcement who is allowed to fly these things will be responsible. We think that the military who has been flying these things for a long time will be responsible, but we're scared to death uh, about every person who can afford to plunk down a couple hundred bucks putting one of these things in the air to spy on their neighbors, to take pictures of the house they're trying to sell, to seed crops, to do all of There are a million and one wonderful things that can be done with these devices. And search and rescue is an obvious one. Uh, monitoring crops is an obvious one. But we're scared that we need rules, and we know how long it's going to take for the FAA to do the testing, to do the research, and write those rules. Now, left to the, to the FAA's own devices, none of us would ever see those rules. Our children might not see those rules. And what would happen is eventually there would be a catastrophe, not if, but when, and a manned aircraft would go down, and then everyone in Congress would, would get really excited 
throw a lot of money at the FAA, uh, which they haven't done yet, and maybe there'd be a little bit of progress. But in the meantime, the test sites, including the Nevada test sites, have said, you know, we're not going to wait for that. We're not going to wait for the catastrophe to get everybody really crazy. We're going to start doing testing now. And so with that introduction to drones, I'm going to turn the microphone over to Chris Wallach, uh, a former helicopter squadron commanding officer in Afghanistan and Iraq, a uh, colonel in the Army Air Corps, and the Executive Director of the Nevada Institute for Autonomous Systems. Thanks a lot. How's everybody, how's everybody doing? Do you all always have these amazing meals every week? That's incredible. This is the best I've eaten in the last couple of years. So I might have to come here a lot more. I'm a little bit intimidated today because there's a lot of social interaction, and for us in the business here, we are very technical, and I have to remind myself of that, that we can't be too technical, plus I'm on, I'm on the clock here, Michael reminded me. Um, so I'm going to try to talk more high level, and I'm going to try to be a little bit more interactive, and I'm not going to be too technical. Yesterday, we were in Silicon Valley with the other six test sites. We were with NASA. And everybody in here knows that NASA is a major stakeholder in growing the unmanned systems industry. Does everybody know that? So we were doing this big press event yesterday to the whole uh, network, all the networks there in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. And I was the last speaker um, before Amazon Prime Air spoke. And, and I noticed my other colleagues, they were extremely technical and the, the eight networks that were there that were filming everybody speaking, um, they lost everybody. So that's what I'm kind of fighting up against today. Um, which is the advancement on here? Okay. So I'm Chris Wallach. I've been around, at least in this business, never heard of NIAS before three years ago. Has anybody else heard of NIAS? Well, we speak a lot. Yesterday I was in Silicon Valley. Two weeks ago I was with what is called the Starburst Accelerator with Mayor Garcetti in L.A. speaking to um, a, a different crowd there. And then the week prior to that I was invited to speak at the Uber Elevate Summit in L.A. And I was on a smart city panel. And so um, every time I ask the question, have you heard of NIAS, nobody raises their hand. So I know I have our work cut out for us. So I'm going to be happy if this video plays. There it goes. This just kind of gives you a little introduction to what we do. When the FAA called the state of Nevada in December of 2013 and informed state officials of the FAA designation for the entire state of Nevada as a UAS test site, this made us uniquely suited to nationally and globally grow the drone industry in the United States. The Governor's Office of Economic Development, in turn, created and sponsored the Nevada Institute for Autonomous Systems, or NIAS, to grow and advance the Nevada UAS industry. Today, with a growing team of experts, NIAS manages all Nevada UAS test sites, and we do this with the incredible support from the Nevada Governor, 
the Governor's Office of Economic Development, City Mayors, County Commissioners, and local City Managers. At NIAS, we will innovate, help deregulate through streamlined UAS policies and procedures, and advance technology and air commerce through our vast business network. NIAS is focused on developing the next generation of safe and reliable drone pilots. The NIAS process is to coach, teach, and mentor. When you come talk to NIAS, we really do a complete evaluation of where you are now and where you want to go. We are an outlet to test policy and procedures before they actually get implemented. NIAS has partnered with the NASA Ames Research Center to help develop the next generation of unmanned traffic management systems. In collaboration with commercial industry and municipalities, this integration is going to help urban expansion for drones in the national airspace. NIA's teammates include startups, large organizations, municipalities, and higher education institutions. As one of seven FAA-designated UAS test sites, the state of Nevada is unique. Our entire state is a test site, as opposed to the other six, which are affiliated with research institutions or universities. NIAS and the FAA-designated UAS test site has partnered with all of the airfields and airports from north to south. Starting in the north, we have the Reno Stead Airport, then down to Silver Springs, and then in the middle of the state, we have the Hawthorne Advanced Drone Multiplex. In southern Nevada, we have the Mesquite UAS test range, we have the Henderson Unmanned Vehicle range, we also have Tonopah and Beatty. The NIAS strategy to economic development is focused on partnership and collaboration. We partner and collaborate with companies all around the globe. NIAS has partnered with New York-based SkyOp to develop this drone workforce development training program. We offer 18-hour courses that will teach you the basics of aviation so you pass your FAA Part 107 test and also get some hands-on experience with small quadcopters indoors in a non-GPS environment so you learn how to fly safely and responsibly. Commercial drones in the autonomous systems industry are poised to touch all facets of business, from disaster relief to media to agriculture, to infrastructure inspection, to airspace management and drone detection. Contact us today and experience the new... So we're, we do a lot of different things. We just don't do testing and developing. We do a lot of things that a business consulting company would do. Uh, we're focused on the air side of autonomous vehicles. Uh, we don't really uh, do testing on, on what I do from the ground side, but we do have uh, individuals in the governor's office that do and help facilitate the unmanned ground vehicle side, but the systems between ground, air, and marine or waterborne type systems, they have a lot of times the same infrastructure, like the same motherboard or the same technology that can be interchangeable. So we're not the FAA, but we are designated as a uh, kind of a right-hand or a right-hand um, partner of the FAA to help grow the national UAS industry. Our charge from Governor Brian Sandoval is to grow the Nevada UAS industry, and that's what we've been trying to do for the past several years. Um, it's not a one-person show. It's not a one-organization show. It really takes everybody's effort to do that. But we use the whole state of Nevada to do that uh, growth. We focus on small businesses to grow our Nevada-based businesses. We have partnerships now well over 100 from small companies to multinational companies. If anybody has heard of, uh, you know, companies like Amazon, Walmart, um, Qualcomm, Intel, or Nevada-based companies like here in the south, Avocite, UAS, or Drone America in the north, um, from small to large, we have networked across the U.S. and globally. 
when the state of Nevada is active on trade missions, um, the most recent one um, with uh, Alberta, Canada, uh, state of Nevada signed an MOU with Alberta, Canada. We were involved in that. Prior to that, back in October when the state of Nevada signed the MOU with Poland, we were involved in that. And so we're making international um, collaborations as well to try to grow the market here and to make it an advantage for Nevada businesses. We have planned different airspace areas uh, that are regional and we're in the process of connecting Reno to Las Vegas in a, a 480 mile air corridor. These are just different testing areas. These are the military areas from uh, here in the south with Nellis Air Force Base, the Nevada Test and Training Range to Department of Energy to uh, Hawthorne Army Weapons Depot, the largest uh, weapons demolition depot in the, in, the, in the world really, and then Fallon Air, Naval Air Station in the north. We work with the military, um, but we don't test drones for the military or Department of Defense. We have done testing and developing for defense contractors, but we're focused primarily on the commercial market, and so that's, that's what we've been doing. You can't really see this slide, but the bottom line is before three years ago, nobody knew about Nevada and the drone industry. Since three years ago, we have put Nevada on the national and global map for a lot of different records. One record that you've seen one of the slides there was this thing about aerial package delivery. We were the first in the nation to deliver a hot dog and 7-Eleven Slurpee to an actual resident in their backyard in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> Nobody said, they said it couldn't be done. I said, well, Let's follow in the, in, the, in, in the governor's motto, Nevada is the get it done state, am I right? So we said, bring it to Nevada and we're gonna get it done and we did. The next thing we said, well, we know on the manned side that we do aerial cloud seeding. That's where the manned aircraft launch these iodine crystals in the cloud to produce more precipitation. Well, 25 years ago, maybe a little bit more, Nevada had a Class A accident, and we lost two pilots because it's very turbulent flying into these very uh, turbulent uh, cumulonimbus thunderstorm clouds or clouds in general. And so since then, um, we set a national, uh, really a, a global record by cloud seeding the clouds with an unmanned aerial vehicle. And we did a test a little over a year ago, and the scientists on the ground registered about a 13% increase in um, the precipitation where in the area where we seeded the clouds with these iodine crystals using a drone. Well, this thing went viral. Uh, we had countries from Africa to the Middle East calling us up. They said, hey, can you bring this cloud seeding technology over to our country now? We want you to produce rain. Well, at least to say after that, they started calling the state of Nevada rainmakers, right? And the last one I'll talk about, because I'm about out of time. I've got another 10 minutes here. We had a small Nevada-based company, a Nevada teammate, that went to the other test sites out there in the U.S. They said, hey, I want to set the longest distance package delivery in the national airspace, in the commercial airspace, using a drone. Went to the other test sites. They said, it can't be done. What did we say here? We're going to get it done. So that teammate came back to Nevada, and they said, well, where do, we said, well, where do you want to do this? They said, well, we want to do it in Texas right in the backyard of the Texas UAS test site. They didn't really like that very much. But we said, okay, what, what do we need to do? And so they told us, and we worked on that. And 
Then we went out and flew the mission in commercial airspace, almost 100 miles. We flew from south of Austin, Texas, into Austin, Texas, delivered a package to a global giant, industrial giant, and said, yes, it can be done. And we just showed you how. So I'm just going to zip through a lot of these. We're involved in uh, NASA. We uh, did a recent NASA operation to test this airspace platform that basically is going to integrate drones with these big airlines and make them safe. So it's going to basically look at where the, the manned aircraft are flying, and then it's going to integrate these drones with a certain flight plan, and it's going to deconflict. And so this program is called Unmanned Traffic Management. So we tested that out. We were the first of the seven test sites to do that back in March, and we had several new developments, which I can talk about a little bit later. Last year, we again tested out the NASA. It's called technical campaign level number two. Again, we tested this out, and we said, well, let's, let's figure out how to integrate these drone detection sensors. Basically, it can hear the drones out there through the spectrum, and it can see them, and it can hear them. And so we were the first to integrate that into the unmanned traffic management system, and we were very happy about the results there. Prior to that, the FAA looked out across all seven test sites and they said, hey, we're going uh, to launch this national initiative for making airports, towered airports, safe. So when you take off out of these airports, you don't have a drone flying into the major airlines. So we were part of a major test called a Pathfinder back in November 2016. They put a very giant test site together with a very tiny test site. Who, guess who was the tiny test site? Nevada was the tiny test site, and they said, hey, who can get it done? I didn't raise my hand. They said, they looked at Nevada, they said, Nevada, you're the air boss, so I want you to demonstrate this capability to over a dozen governmental three-letter agencies, of which I cannot mention here. And we said, yes, we can do that. So we, we were partnered up with this giant. They didn't like it very much that we were the air boss, but we led that endeavor in, with the FAA in front of over a week long in front of over a dozen governmental entities. They said, hey, well, we can, you know, they demonstrated this safely that drones can be integrated around major airports, and we were able to help show them how. So this is just kind of a, a quick picture. This is Denver International Airport right here. And so we actually set up at the, on the end of the active runway on both north and south side, and we ran these different air scenarios in the upper right hand corner up there you can see that guy in the black picture up there with a lot of snow around him that's me getting ready to launch a drone at night we had this other test site that said hey it was just a major snowstorm here in denver we were not able to fly and this test must go on and so they looked around they said who can get it done we said nevada can get it done so we flew Right, maybe like 10 minutes after this blizzard that came through, I was up about a foot and a half of snow, and we launched these drones in the national airspace at night, and we launched mul multiple drones, and we showed it could be safely done. So since then, um, we've flown about 1,500 missions from package delivery to cloud seeding to infrastructure security and inspection, and so now we are embarking upon a kind of a new chapter back in October, Trump's executive order that he issued to the Department of Transportation. He said, I want the U.S. to lead globally to advance air commerce and innovation, globally. And so they 
put together a solicitation. It went out across the U.S. 149 applicants. We had two here in the state of Nevada that applied. I was responsible for putting together the state of Nevada's plan in partnership with three dozen small and multinational corporations that have immensely diverse missions. And they said, Chris Wallach, Nevada Institute for Autonomous Systems, what did they say to me? Get it done. Figure it out. So we had to figure out how to build a plan, incorporate all of those <laughs> entities into one plan, and submit it to the Department of Transportation, FAA. Well, we also had the city of Reno and Flirty UAS that submitted, and one of two were selected. The first wave was to focus on very narrow use cases, which was the city of Reno and one of our Nevada teammates. They got selected, but there will be, and hopefully, another round. And so our plan is kind of leading the way among states, and so we're looking forward to bring that industry here in the state of Nevada, which will bring probably close to a trillion dollars of infrastructure and investment if the DOT selects the state of Nevada plan. It's called the Smart Silver, Smart Silver State, or S3. So if you hear Smart Silver State, people are going to say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's the, it's the drone plan that's going to basically launch a deployment across the state of Nevada with air quarters and systems and bringing in giants and um, propping up our small businesses to grow the UAS industry. So we're going to need a lot of help to do that. So... Back in April, I presented at the largest security and safety expo. I said, hey, what is the number one problem out there in the industry? And it's drone incursions into the national airspace. Drones interfering with first responder operations. Drones interfering with public uh, major airlines out there. And so after I presented this, I said, hey, here's what Nevada has to offer to an international group, the largest in the world. They said, wow, he's really selling Nevada. I said, of course I am. But they also started to call it the scared straight message. And that's what the RJ classified my speech that day as the scared straight. So this is not a scared straight, but I'm just going to kind of highlight where we need some help. And, and I need everybody in here to kind of join our safety movement. Because together we're going to make the, the skies safer. So if you see that little clock at the top with the hand moving around, once it hits seven, every seven hours in the national airspace across the U.S., there is a drone incursion basically interfering, preventing a safety hazard in the national airspace. Every seven hours, there is an incursion happening. And that's the FAA is reporting right now, as of March, 100 incursions a month are occurring. By 2022, the commercial UAS that are operating out there, which is 122,000 in the national airspace now, is set to grow to 450. UAS operating in the national airspace. That means when that hand up there hits two, after two hours, there's going to be an incursion happening in the national airspace if we don't do something to change that pattern. And so that's what we kind of set out to do. And so some of you may have already seen this on the local television, but we've had a couple of near misses here. And from a manned aviator and for people walking on the ground, I'll tell you in, this, in the research and development, the biggest fear is if you're an individual and you're thinking about a drone, well, is that drone going to fall out of the sky and hit me? I'm going to go through this uh, one scenario. That's one. The other one, which is the biggest fear to manned aviators, is that a drone flies into a major airline. Ends up in the hospital when she's hit by a drone. 
13 Action News reporter David Schumann spoke to a woman who saw the seemingly innocent flight that put everyone at the pool in danger. Kristen Rabola was unexpected. So I won't go through it because I got probably 30 seconds, but the bottom line is this drone um, for a bystander at the pool, it falls out of the air and strikes the lady in their leg, in her leg, and, you know, created a major industry, in, injury there, and this was just a recreational use person. Another one is McCarran International Airport back in February. You that from Las Vegas started popping up on social media. Take Anybody a look. fly out of a McCarran in February of this the year? close proximity between a drone and a passenger plane that's heading in. Bottom line is this drone flew within a couple of hundred feet of a major airline. If that drone gets sucked into an engine, it, it could be very catastrophic. And on final approach into McCarran, if it would have hit its left engine, and it, you know what happens when an aircraft loses power, it turns to the left, it could have easily crashed into the Las Vegas Strip. So what we have proposed to the state of Nevada and the, the national industry is that we are going to get it done. The FAA has been quoted in the press as not having sufficient programs or s systems out there to ensure the safety when it comes to drone incursions in the national airspace. So we announced recently that we are creating what is called the Nevada Drone Center of Excellence for Public Safety. And so we are going to focus on mitigating and providing data and lessons learned to mitigate drones flying in the national airspace. So we have centers already in the north and the south. We're going to connect those. Uh, we're going to establish kind of a super center here in the south. And we're open for donations. So if you want to help, if you want the, the skies to become more safe, and when you fly in and out of these towered airports, that is Naya's, and that's because we're going to get it done. Am I right? So that's all I have in my short 15 minutes. So um, if anybody has any questions, I think we're open for like 30 seconds of question. Tax deductible is a 501c3. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Sorry, Chris. We're out of time. So, Chris, I would like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, where we will present a hot meal to a homeless vet in your name. And Chris will be, stick around. If you have any questions, you can come and talk to him. Thank you. Thanks. So, like I always say, rotary is like tennis. No, wait. Rotary is like hockey. In order to get to your goal, it's not always a straight line. You need teammates around you, and sometimes you got to body check the competition. So with that, go forth and make a difference. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.